Hello, my friends. This is Bishop Campbell welcoming you again to a short meditation on the theme of living the Catholic life. Here is a little-known fact about our Lenten observance. There are only three feasts in the Church's calendar that are allowed to be celebrated as feasts during Lent. One of them is the Feast of St. Joseph. That's on April, or March, rather, the 19th. The second is the feast day we celebrate today, the Feast of the Annunciation. I'll let you look up what the third feast day is. But I want to take the opportunity to talk a little about this Feast of the Annunciation because it plays such a critical role within the Church's life. The feast is celebrated on the 25th of March. I suspect it that's because it is nine months to the celebration of Christmas. In Great Britain, it, uh, this feast day was long known as Lady Day, especially for the fact that the scriptural readings on the Feast of the Annunciation focus on Mary's acceptance of God's providence, of his desire that Mary be the chosen one to bear the Savior. And it is a day, I think, to consider the fact that Mary, our mother, is an example for all Christian discipleship. The fact that she trained an ability to hear God's word so that when that word was spoken through her to her through the angel, she was able to recognize it as God's own voice. The discipleship that accepted that word, that allowed her uh, to have it shape the life she was to, to lead, even in a very difficult uh, situation. Mary, then, is an exemplar of how closely associated one becomes with the salvation wrought in Jesus Christ. But she was one of us. She was one that heard the word of God, allowed it to be fulfilled within her life, remained faithful to it, until the very end. But my friends, the Feast of the Annunciation is not only a feast about Mary, although she plays a pivotal role in it. It really is also the Feast of the Incarnation of Jesus Christ. And the consideration of those consequences that the second person of the Holy Trinity, the Son of God the Father, actually took on human flesh and human reality and entered into human history. It is an astounding fact. It is the pivot of all human history and the history of the world. And when we look at this fact of the, the Incarnation, which, of course, borrowed the human bodily reality of Mary as the mother of the Savior, we ask ourselves, what, what does it reveal about God? What does it reveal about human history? What does it reveal about our individual lives? 
First of all, you know, we honor Mary as the custodian of the Word of God, Jesus Christ, and also as the handmaid of the Incarnation. I am the handmaid of the Lord, Mary says. Let it be done unto me according to thy will. And having said that, we begin to ask, what does this reveal about God's relationship to his creation? Isn't this a profound and perhaps the most startling and crucial fact about the reason God created? And that was out of a profound love that he endowed creation and heard from creation. I think that the incarnation of the Son of God in human reality is a final act of God's creative power and his creative will, that not only would he create out of nothing a world in which we live, but bless it and consecrate it by allowing his Son, to become human, to take on our reality, to live within time, to teach us that the relationship between eternity and time is deeply intimate, in spite of the fact that God remains completely apart from all the created order, he is present to it in all of its details. It also represents the enhancement of the human person, the realization that our human bodily reality, and after all, we are intimate unions of body and soul, that our bodily reality can bear divine presence, can bear divine reality. For uh, God appeared in the body of Jesus Christ, and it was not destroyed, but rather enhanced in that reality. And that is why I think a person like St. Paul would continue to talk about the human body as a temple, a temple that can bear and manifest the reality of God within us, God given to us. For after all, as uh, Pope uh, St. John Paul II spoke in numerous occasions, Jesus Christ is both the revelation of God to man and of man to himself, not only teaching us about who God is, what he intends for us, what he has called us to do, but allow us to understand who we are as human persons. For in Jesus Christ we have seen the perfection of the human reality, of the human person. And we realize something that the fathers of the early church continued to teach that in Jesus Christ, God descended into human form so as to draw humanity into the divine reality, that in the ascension of Jesus Christ and return to his heavenly Father, he drew our bodily reality into the Godhead as well as entered back into that intimate union of the Holy Trinity. So that in realizing this about the Incarnation, 
and its consequences. We are called to have a particular view now of the human person, how we not only treat ourselves, how we allow ourselves to become more and more like the Christ to, uh, to whom we are faithful, but how do we touch other people's lives? How do we realize that, as C.S. Lewis once remarked, that here within our church, next to the Blessed Sacrament, the greatest manifestation of Jesus Christ among us is each other? And how do we treat each other? I think as we look back through uh, the history of the church, and it was a slow process, it was a realization that slavery had to be abolished, that no one, no human person, can own another human person. There is an inherent dignity to each human person that has been consecrated and established by Jesus Christ taking on our human form. So we have a responsibility to become more and more like Christ as he became like us. In our own lives, we can manifest that presence of Jesus Christ to others and to live it in a such a way that people, as Jesus himself said, will see how we are living and give glory to God the Father. I think this is why the church started to collect relics of martyrs, particularly, that uh, the halo was used in pictorial representations of saints because in their their holiness, in their uh, achievement of that Christ life, the very radiance of Christ began to be manifested in their bodily form. Now, this Feast of the Incarnation calls us to a profound responsibility to understand who we are as Christians, to understand what God has done and given us the created world, giving us us as creatures and establishing a future of eternity for us. To take that responsibility seriously, to understand the gift of God to us in Jesus Christ and the responsibility that it calls us to become more like him. But it also, I think, is a preparation to a greater participation in the mysteries of Holy Week. They are a little more than two weeks away. These are the great mysteries, beginning on Palm Sunday, but intensifying on Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Vigil and Easter Sunday. And we have to remember that it is by our participation in this Paschal mystery the dying and rising of Christ, that we too, when we die, shall rise in faithfulness. But we have to remember that the events of Holy Week are not simply memories of an occasion 2,000 years ago, but they are events and in uh, mysteries that are present to us at that moment. And we actually can become part of that mystery by our participation in those liturgical events. And as we prepare for that participation in the mysteries of Holy Week, let us ask Mary to show us the way, to accompany us on the journey, 
to become servants of the Incarnation and custodians of the Word of God. And by participating in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, to open in us a deeper hope for our future uh, eternity and our future blessedness and happiness in heaven.